Welcome to series two of Deep Evolution from Salvage Wire. In this podcast, we interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this episode, we welcome Anthony Hurd of Braintree Motorworks. Anthony has some very interesting opinions on the collision repair industry and some advice for vehicle recyclers about recycled parts. Anthony is also about to launch his own podcast, Braintree Motor Mouth. You can search for that in your podcast app. We have to apologise for some sound issues on the recording. The internet connection that we used wasn't the best. But let's get straight into our conversation between myself and Anthony. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. As a way of introduction, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your career, uh, and your current role in company? Yeah, um, my name's Anthony Hurd. I'm the owner of, um, I've actually got three companies now, Braintree Motorworks, Braintree Motor Group, and Braintree Finance Group. Um, So two of them launched in the middle of this pandemic. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I'm the director of all three. Um, And do you know a bit more about one or would you like what... Well, tell, me about, started, or... tell me about Braintree Motorworks, um, its origins and its history. Yeah, so Braintree Motorworks, um, I own a, it's an accident repair centre in um, Braintree in Essex. We've got um, 12 staff turning over about 1.3 million, um, doing, concentrating on crash repairs and... The origins, I, I, I worked for BMW and um, very, very corporate. And um, I actually had a row with the after sales manager about a cup of coffee. And I've said this on another podcast, but it, it literally that day when it, when it, when it, when we had the row, I was like, I've got to get out on my own. I've got to do something on my own because I've been told off for drinking the posh coffee in the, in the waiting area. Um, so it is, I got told off to be fair, I got told off every week. So, but this day we, we had just hit these massive records, um, and was doing really well. And then he came in, he was a lovely guy. I loved him to be, still speak to him now, but he came in and went mental that I was drinking this coffee. So that day I went home and run 10 garages or 10 body shops in my area, just, just picked up the phone and went, do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? Do you want to sell? And one guy just went, yes, please. <laughs> so I, um, it was really good because it was, the guy had such a good reputation. So I was just shocked. I was, it, weirdly, it was one of the things where it was surreal because I didn't expect anyone to say yes. And then, and then, and then the gentleman said yes. And um, within two months, we had actually, uh, I'd actually bought it and um, left BMW. And then, and then we we started on the January. So we we done that in November, two thousand and twelve, and opened on January two thousand thirteen. Wow. And obviously, the company's gone from strength to strength. I mean, you said at the start that you've now got Braintree Motor Group and Braintree Finance Group. 
And you've been yeah. bringing some innovations into the uh, business over the last sort of 12, 18 months. Can you outline what's happened and how this has impacted the business? Yeah, um, with the what I'm trying to do is, as an industry in the in the crash repairs, definitely is everyone's for years and years talked about, and this goes back to when I was 16. Is every all the body shops have always said something's got to change, something's got we can't keep working to these labour rates. And you know what? Them labour rates. I remember a contract we had was um, 31 pound an hour, 20% bottom line, um, and 25 years on we're still or 23 if you do the maths um we're still working at them labor rates, or some body shops are still working at them labor rates even though it's madness because of um obviously the technology in cars and how how the world's progressed except for the labor rate insurance so um so last year i sat there and i, I i've been thinking for it for a while i I've got a very good business and our processes are very good. And I was thinking what my first initial plan was, was to go to struggling body shops and garages and buy into it and, and follow my processes and our model. And then, and obviously get more and more and more. Um, and someone said, have you heard of franchising? Um, have you ever franchised or why don't you franchise? And at the time I was like, I don't even get what that is really. Um, so I had about a year's worth of market research and, and dealing with a franchise company to, to get me to understand it and, and get myself ready to a point where I thought, actually, we really could franchise this out. So um, we've... We've got to the point where I was comfortable to go to other body shops and say, guys, let's change the industry. Let's not moan for the rest. We've moaned for the last 20 to 30 years. Let's actually do something about it. Um, and let's make a stand, not against insurers, um, but just, just for that fact of we can't work for £30 an hour anymore. Um, body shops are going bust left, right and centre um it's it's a real bad industry at the moment um and what i'm trying to bring is a network of independent body shops to work together under our umbrella of branchery motor group to stick together and have each other's backs something that the industry's never ever managed to do amazing that's amazing and how many body shops have you now got within that network? Um, there's eight of us signed, um, signed and and started. It only launched officially um, the end of December because, again, because I'm a body shop and not a middleman, I the contract that I had for the franchise, <laughs> I'm on ver I was on version seven, and. Even the seventh one, there's no word like a solicitor said to me, Anthony, this franchise is a joke. He goes, it's more for them than it is you. And I said, I said, to be fair, that is what I'm building. It's not about um, what, like, if you have a franchise like a, a McDonald's or a, a Domino's, you've got to literally, but you have to do everything, every single thing they say. Mm. Mine is more, all I want is, for 20 years body shops have said they're going to work together and then a few of them just scuttle away and do their own thing 
So what mine was basically was an agreement to shake my hand. I'm very old fashioned. Like I'll do everything on a shake of a hand and just say, look, you trust me. I trust you. Let's do this together. And that's what the contract, don't get me wrong, it's like anything in the world, you can get out of a contract if you really wanted to and had the right solicitor. And for me, it's not about that. But what I need to see back is just that little bit of belief from a body shop that is going to go, I'll walk with you. And we won't scuttle away like the rest did. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. And talking, you know, myself, I used to be, and after sales manager, so I ran service parts and body shop. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can remember even back in that was what 1989, 1990. Um, we we're yeah. on we we're on 19 pounds an hour then. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's right. you know, and it's gone up to 30 in that in that time scale. And the thing is, it's like, do you know you as an after sales manager, mm. what gets me the most is is these things as well. It's not only the labor right, mm. these these are giving away a bottom line discount, yeah. Yeah. A, a free collection and delivery, fifty mm. miles, yeah. twelve days free storage. Mm. It don't it don't just end at the thirty pound an hour. We we had none of that. It was literally just nineteen pound yeah. an hour. We were franchised to Vauxhall, so we gave them five percent off the parts, and that was as far as we went. You've put together the franchised system. Um, yeah, you've got eight uh, collision repair centres already signed up with obviously you know you've got a few lined up to to come on board in the near future as well ultimately in sort of the next 12 24 months what do you aim to achieve what's what's your target my target is um i'm i'm aiming to have 40 40 by the end of this year mm-hmm. so we, we're speaking to 45 different repairers now um so yeah i'm hoping to have 40 by the end of the year what what i would like and what i'm aiming for is to have one body shop in every major area basically so we we so we've got nationwide coverage and the dream the absolute dream is every body shop out there joins or every independent body shop joins and we all help each other out Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I say that because insurance companies and accident management companies have, uh, have, have made body shops for years fight for their area and they end up hating the guy down the road, even though they've mev- never met the guy down the road. It's sort of like, oh, he's taking all my... And what they've cleverly done is made the guy down the road hate you. So that whole time, both of you are going, well, if I don't do it for 30 quid, he's going to do it for 29. What I would, the the end goal for me is the guy down the road will be part of us as well. So we all stand firm and just say, guys, this is our labour rate. We're not here to take the mick. We're not here to commit fraud. We're here to do repairs at the right money. Mm. And I always believe that one of my franchise is is in seven miles away from me and people go christ Anthony, seven miles like is he not going to nick your work there's enough work out there for everyone absolutely everyone if you just look for it properly and the other thing as well is imagine if i'm busy if i've got someone local to me and i'm too busy to take on a client i've got to reject them right or give them an eight-week waiting list what I'm trying to build is 
I ring my guy around the corner. Mm. I've got Lee, have you got, can you fit this guy in? Yeah. Or he'll specialise in something that I don't. Or he's got a courtesy car when I haven't. Um, he's got a driver that's not busy and I need a driver. It's There's so much we can do as a group to help each other. Stop looking at the guy around the corner as competition and look at him as support. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That that is that is amazing, and obviously, as we look at the industry, and the industry's changed in my lifetime and in your lifetime, um, and increased levels of technology, the complexity of vehicle design, the construction, the electronics in the vehicle now, the expertise that's required. Yeah. Do you see a future where collision repair techni- technicians will need to be licensed and registered? Yeah, I, I, I think they should be. I think. I think the I think the industry is is lagging in in that way because no one's actually policing any repairs. It's it's if you look at ADAS, um, if you look at the ADAS on the advanced driving, um, the, it's who's actually I know repairers that don't even know what that is. There's people every day on LinkedIn who are putting up front bumpers still on the car being repaired lumps of filler in them and that car's got a a radar on the front like it's absolutely madness so i i would say the more we could put into the industry definitely i'd I'd pay for all my guys to go away and be trained and have a license um to repair vehicles because it's worrying what technology these these vehicles and 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 any Tom Dick and Harry, excuse my language, can 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 get it in for two hundred quid and put it back on the road. Yeah, agree, agree. And reclaimed or recycled parts is a hot topic once again, and looks like potentially this is going to um, going to work this time. What are your views on recycled parts and the use of recycled parts in in collision repair? Right, I'm laughing because I'm I'm I, I promote that I'm very much against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually uh, on my YouTube channel. I'm actually meeting E two E to Neil Joslin yeah. to go and to go down and have a look at one of his sites to see if they can change my mind. Um, the, the reason I'm open to it, but I think there is issues, and I think again it's going to land at the body shop's door, not the insurer's door. So if I'm talking about what I believe in, which is body shops getting paid fair and reasonable, to me, and doing the job correctly and safely, are we better off using genuine parts? What have not been on another vehicle? 100%. I've never used secondhand parts or green parts or recycled, whatever you want to call them. So I, I, I want someone to, because I'm a bit, if you if you always do what you've always done, you always get the same result. So it, I want to be, I want to have my head turned because it is about the environment and it is about what we can do to be greener. But my argument on two sides of it is, are they green parts? No, they're not. They've been manufactured. They've been put on a car. They've been taken off a car. They've been they've they've then been delivered to a big salvage yard. That salvage yard is going to post me that headlight. That I mean, they're not using. You, you can't tell me they're green. 
the, the second side of it is, does the customer know or get a choice? So everything I promote and want to be as a company is honest, transparent. Are insurance companies being transparent enough to be putting second-hand parts on cars? The answer to me is no. How many people know that in their policy is written in 99% of insurance companies' policies that they have the right to put second-hand pattern parts on their cars? So I think we've got to do a lot in the industry before it becomes everyday acceptable. Um, a lot of people say they want to use them because it's going to save vehicles being written off. I don't believe that either because if, if that was the case, they'd repair up to 100% value of the vehicle first with genuine parts. If that was the real thing, what they wanted to do, they would do that first because they're writing vehicles off at 66% and then salvage yards <laughs> are selling them. Um, so to me, it, it's a transparency thing. Am I dead against it at the moment? Yes. I am doing my best to learn more about that side. And I, I would love to, for someone to turn my head and go, Anthony, this is right for the environment. This is right for the customer. Um, but at, at the moment, I would never use a, a, a second hand. And I'm, I, I would say I'm, I'm against it at the moment because... All, all it's doing is landing at the body shops. What, what happens if, like, I have a front end, I would normally send that to Merck as a full list, one order to, to Merck, I get my VIX the next day. I send it to a salary or a green or recycle company. They come back, Anthony, I've got three bits. Right, well, that's no good because I need 17 bits. Right, yeah, no, but I can do you three. Brilliant. So now my parts guy has now got to send it back to Merck and get the other bits from Merck. And then when they turn them up, he's got to go, oh, some of them are coming from there. Some of them are coming from, can you see where the admin and the confusion yeah. Yeah. is already the body shop's job? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a lot to be done. And I think, again, it's an insurance win. Everything I do is a win-win. On this, I think it's a win-lose because the body shop are the ones who are not going to get paid for that admin. They're not going to get paid for um, the running round, the the issues, what they're going to have by... If they could get every part of every car every time, like a main dealer, I would say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And if there's one thing that the UK government could do that would have the biggest benefit to... Braintree Motorworks or the or the collision repair industry, what would that be? For me, um, uh, one of the major things would be to, and I, I don't even know how this is even in policies, but to stop charging um, customers an extra £200 or a, a giving them a penalty for using, for having their legal right of choice to use their own repairer. I think if the government if the government could could knock that on the head because legally you have the right to use your own repairer, why are you getting a financial penalty from an insurance company for having that right? Mm -hmm. I think if the government could knock that out, you'd have a lot a lot happier body shops and a lot happier clients because it's not fair, it's not right. It's 
it's it, they've got round that by block exemption years ago was you couldn't you couldn't say that but now you 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 can have the right but we're going to whack you up another 200 quid yeah mm. and obviously being a, a business leader you've developed your leadership skills in your career your influence your style um and is there any advice that you can give young and aspiring leaders who want to grow and develop their leadership skills or in other words what advice would the current Anthony give to the 22-year-old Anthony? Um, I, I, I was thinking about that question and I was just thinking, I, the only thing I want to say is don't go in the motor trade, but that's a really bad answer. <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, it's not true because I love it. But um, I, would, I would say, which I learned the hard way is, I, I would always be, if you're, if you're always yourself be real be honest and transparent in everything you do it's for me it's um don't ever worry about money worry about the client never look at what will make your company more money look at what's best for the client because the money will follow and the client base will follow it's if anyone looks and goes right am i going to make any money out of that is pr you're not going to go far in life because there's just business people around the world are probably going Christ, how much does he do for free? Um, but for, for me, it's all about let's let's look at what's best for the client. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and powerful. like I say, be honest and real. yeah, that is powerful. Be honest and real and transparency. Transparency is the biggest thing. I'd show anyone my books, my profit, my loss. Um, what years I had good years, what repairs I've done bad. I'd give absolutely anyone everything because I've got nothing to hide. Wow, that is powerful, really powerful answer. And one final question, and this is one that we ask all our guests on the podcast. What was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car? Um, it, was a, it was a Vauxhall Astra. I hadn't passed my test yet. Um, and I think I drove it once. It was outside my house. Um, and I think I drove it once. And then the next, I drove it once with my mum in the car, I remember. And the next day it got broken into outside my house and they ripped all the centre console and it got written off. Never saw it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I'd say fond. Um, but <laughs> it had one, it, I think, I, yeah, it was a nice little Astra, but it's, yeah, got broken into the next day and, yeah, they, they ruined it and it got written off. Amazing. So one, one journey car, that one. Amazing. Amazing. That's a <laughs> lovely story. That's a lovely story to end on. Anthony, thank you for your time. There's some really good um, uh, conversation there and some really good answers to the questions. And thank you for your time on, on the podcast. Thank you ever so much. Wow, that was amazing. A big thank you to Anthony for his time, his knowledge, and his slightly strong opinions, but I uh, loved it. Loved it. Really, really good. You'll find details on how to contact Braintree Motorworks in the notes for this episode, and I would encourage all vehicle recyclers to contact Anthony uh, to help him understand recycle parts. Please subscribe and take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and please give us a rating. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next podcast.